0: Before I get to my next guest, Jane Blaylock, I want to give a shout-out to some more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin. For a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all weather performance. With premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize. Check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show was sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. Okay, now next on the tee with me is one of the great legends in LPGA history, Jane Blaylock. Jane is from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She played her college golf at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, just outside of Orlando where she graduated with her degree in history. She was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 1977. She won the New Hampshire Amateur Championship three times from 1965 to 1968. She won the Florida Intercollegiate Championship in 1966 and was the New England Amateur Champion in 1968. That same year, she won the Florida Intercollegiate Championship while at Rollins College. She turned pro in 1969 and was named the LPGA Rookie of the Year. She got her first win on tour here in Atlanta at the 1970 Lady Carling event. She was named the Most Improved Golfer on the LPGA Tour in 1970 and 71. She won the inaugural Dinah Shore Colgate Winner's Circle Tournament, which was the richest prize ever on the LPGA Tour at the time. She would go on to win the Colgate Triple Crown in 1975 and 77. She teamed with Raymond Floyd to win the Mixed Championship in 1978. She holds the professional golf record for most consecutive cuts made at 299. In 1983, she became only the seventh player in LPGA Tour history to earn a million dollars in career money. She was named the 1985 Comeback Player of the Year, coming back from a herniated disc in her back. In all, she won 27 times on the LPGA Tour and four times on the Japanese Tour. She was inducted into the Legends Hall of Fame back in 2014 into the New Hampshire Golf Hall of Fame in 2018, and I couldn't be more honored to have her with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hi, Jane. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Chris. Wow, I've been busy.
0: You really have. You've had a heck of a (laughs) career. Good for you. (laughs) Well, thank you.
1: That was a a very generous introduction.
0: (laughs) Well, Jane, I want to start by going back to almost to the beginning of your career. Um, as I was doing the research, I read you started playing the game when you were 13. Where did the interest in golf come from?
1: Well, it was uh, in that I'd be an old lady today starting at 13, wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up, uh, as you mentioned, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, not exactly a hotbed for golf, given the climate. Uh, a neighborhood with all boys. And so I played basketball and baseball and occasionally football with them. And so, uh, when a new course opened up in town, the Portsmouth Country Club, uh, they all caddied. And so they convinced me to come with them. And, uh, my parents didn't play golf, but, uh, so I went with them to, you know, to, uh, well, I, I put golf bags on a cart and caddied. And then, uh, the pro at the club, um, he had, uh, like eight or nine kids. So he was obviously, uh, cared a lot about junior golf and he started a junior program. So, I joined with all the boys that I played other sports with and uh, just provided a great opportunity.
0: So, Jane, how does a great junior golfer from the state of New Hampshire end up playing her college golf at Rollins College outside of Orlando?
1: <laughs> well, uh, my dad was a native of Florida. My father, he was a newspaper editor in Portsmouth. And he always believed that uh, to get a good education, it's, it's good to change geography. So, uh, i um i we had visited the Rollins campus and uh it was just uh you know small school they- re- didn't even have a golf team uh to be quite honest it was just a beautiful campus and uh it was a place that I got accepted so i went and uh when I was there um we actually kind of lobbied the uh the tennis coach to uh allow us to create a um a golf team, so we had to do some work and uh it was kind of an ad hoc golf team. We mean was wasn't even close to the schedules they have today. But at least it gave a few of us a chance to play. Uh players like uh Hollis Dacey, Debbie Austin, Barbara McIntyre who won uh many amateur tournaments in her day, Alice Dye uh had gone to Rollins College. So people thought it was just this great golf school, which uh it actually wasn't. It's just that a lot of wonderful golfers happen to have attended. And uh, so something that I'm proud of. And now, I mean, they have a, you know, they're a perennial division to winners. So um it was just a, a it was a great education, to be quite honest.
0: Jane, I lived in Winter Park for many years back in the 80s and the 90s. Where did you play your local golf around Orlando? Dubstred.
1: <laughs> Do you remember Dubstred Is that country right? Club? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah uh it was uh oh it 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 was such fun and uh one of my great joys in my life um uh, we had a um a tournament a couple of tournaments in orlando area, one at rio Pinar which i won and another one at uh let's oh gosh my just escape me the name but north um north of orlando um north of winter park um uh well Anyway, so I won two tournaments and a lot of my old college buddies who stayed in that area came out and it was just, uh, you know, one of the, well, two of the great victories that I, uh, Errol Estate, that's, there we go, Errol Estate Country Club, um, north of Winter Park. And uh, it was, it was such fun to win, uh, with that kind of hometown atmosphere and knowing that I had, uh, you know, such great roots in the, uh, greater Orlando area. Winter Park is just one of the greatest towns in the world. Um. Just
0: uh, fabulous. Jane, you turned pro in 1969. You get your first win on tour in 1970. Of course, it's actually just a couple miles down the street from where I live now, Indian Hills Country Club at the Lady Carling Open. And you did it in grand fashion. You make a hole in one on the par three seventh hole in the (laughs) final round. What a day for you. Well,
1: you know, and it, I was a very unlikely winner. You know, I, I did not grow up as one of the stars in golf. You know, you have this group, you know, junior golf. Now, we didn't have AJGA then, but junior golf and you play the national junior, you play amateur tournaments. I didn't have much of that, uh, you know, as a kid from New Hampshire. Um, so uh, it was actually through Bob hostes tutoring. I had a job uh, cleaning clubs, picking up range balls and occasionally starting on the first tee at Ocean Reef Club, and he encouraged me. He said, well, go ahead and just try it. He said, you can uh, you know, stick to what you know. You can chip and putt and just don't listen to other people. And uh, I remember playing that tournament in Atlanta, and yes, I made a hole in one. It was with a four wood, a real four wood. I didn't see it go in. It was elevated green. And, uh, it was, uh, I beat Betsy Rawls, you know, who was just such a wonderful human being and such a great champion. And I will never forget making a, uh, of course we never remember our victories. However, it was, I hit an eight iron to the 18th green. It was three foot, uh, you know, right to left, severe breaking putt and my heart's still beating even thinking about it. And, uh, you know, won my first tournament.
0: And then you back it up the following year, right? You win you win here again, this time by one stroke over Joanne Carner. Talk about what it was like battling it out against her.
1: Oh, Big Mama. Well any anytime, anytime you go head to head with Big Mama, come out on top, you're really fortunate. Uh but that's kind of, you know, I mean she hit the ball a lot farther than I did certainly. But um You know, I I actually recall, uh, you know, playing with her and, uh, you know, she was hitting nine irons and I was hitting five irons. So uh, um, a lot of pressure on that. But, uh, you know, just beating the best, it was something that was uh, just such great satisfaction.
0: You do that sort of similar thing again. 1972, you win the inaugural Colgate Dinosaur Winner's Circle at Mission Hills Country Club. And you did it by three strokes over. Harold Mann and Judy Rankin, a couple of LPGA <laughs> Hall of Famers. And it was by far what I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the biggest purse on the LPGA tour at that time. Maybe the, maybe the biggest purse of all time on the LPGA tour. Oh. So oh, talk oh, about true. winning that tournament. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, without question. Uh, the, the total purse was a hundred thousand, you know, I mean, that's, you know, minuscule by today's standards, but that time I think the next largest purse was um there may have been a fifty thousand purse, uh but most of them were twenty twenty five thousand at that time, and so now you have this tournament you have dinosaur's name attached to it you've got all these real celebrities you know bob hope uh Frank Sinatra uh you know all the great athletes uh the a listers for sure, and national t v and it was just like the biggest thing and uh, Colgate put many of us in their national commercials. So leading up to it we were all on network TV doing uh I was worked with Madge the manicurist I'm dating myself with Colgate Palmolive um you know Laura Ba ultra bright girl uh Sally Little uh Judy Rankin I mean we all had our you know had our certain roles so it was just it wasn't just the prize money it was the prestige and the hype and it was the the event that change the entire face of the LPGA. So I have to say uh, that winning that, um, certainly, um, it certainly, uh, was, a you know, a notch in my belt, but, uh, it was just so meaningful. And every time we go back there now, and I see, um, you know, you have the wall with all the champions and, uh, one thing that I don't can ever take my name away from being the first on the wall. So it's pretty, uh. Yeah, it's um, it's a wonderful feeling and, uh, you know, just great thoughts. And Dinah was fantastic and Colgate was wonderful in how they positioned uh, women's golf.
0: And speaking of prestige, that, that tournament is now a major on the LPGA Tour. It became so back in 83. Shouldn't it be considered a major for you? Shouldn't they have retroed that back and given you credit for that?
1: Well, I think there was some chatter about it, but who knows, uh, because it could not have been more of a major in everyone's mind. But, uh, you know, it's, and the unfortunate thing is at that time, we only had two majors. We had the U.S. Open and the LPJ Championship, and now they have, what, five? And so, right. uh, you know, certainly I'm not taking anything away from those that win a lot of majors, but it's a little bit more attainable now than it was then. But, um, If they made it retroactive, uh, I would not refuse it. Let's put it that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With Dinah Shore's name attached to it, did you get to know her? Because she was a huge star on radio and TV and obviously very important to the growth of the LPGA Tour back in the 70s and 80s.
1: Oh, absolutely. and Yes, um, we all got to know her. I I played... uh, um a couple of the programs with her. I even played a practice round round with her. She had a few of us over to her home. She actually um had a home right at Mission Hills, um, right near the right well very close to um to the golf course. And uh she was just a special person. And uh the reason, you know, Colgate selected her for a reason because at that time you had the Bob Hope, you had an Andy Williams tournament, um, let's see, you had um Oh gosh, um, well, there were a few other celebrity events, but nothing for women. And so, um, they spent some time trying to decide, um, you know, who would be the, the spokesperson. And Dinah did not play golf. She was a tennis player and they actually had to convince her. And, uh, I mean, just, you know, all the credit to her because she just didn't accept. She decided she was going to learn to play the game of golf and she went at it just like she did learning to sing in her career. I mean, she was fantastic and she could hit the ball and was never happy when she missed a shot, which she, which we all had much more respect for because she was a real competitor, but uh she loved her relationship with the LPGA. She loved her role with that tournament and we all loved her.
0: Later in 1972, you won the Dallas Civitan Open in a playoff over Kathy Whitworth. So now you're really starting to rack up the impressive wins over the best of the best in LPGA Tour history. Talk about going head to head against Kathy Whitworth.
1: Well, I said just a moment ago, I do like going up against the best, and it uh, you know, it brings something out in you. You know, it's uh, maybe it's just that extra bit of adrenaline, the extra challenge. And uh, yes, I I remember that playoff well. I remember making, a, as I said, we never remember our victories, of course. But, uh, making about, was about a 15 foot downhill putt to beat her in that playoff. And, uh, and she, I mean, talk about ultimate competitor. I mean, Joanne Carnage is wears that Kathy just wears you down. Um, you really, it's, uh, it's hard to know how she's playing, but every time you see her scorecards in the sixties. Um, so, you know, every time you could beat, I remember beating Rankin in the playoff, who was just, you know, she was such a great competitor and is so good what she does now. and beating Carner and Whitworth. Of course, I'm sure they got me a few times as well, but uh, not in a playoff, to be quite honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you would go on to edge, Kathy Whitworth, a few more times that season, and then at that same event in 1976, so that time you won by nine strokes, did did she ever pull you aside and say she was getting tired of finishing second to you?
1: (laughs) Oh, no, heaven, she'd never give me that credit. Absolutely not. <laughs> she, she'd lose her edge. Of course, she only won 82 tournaments. <laughs> she has, she has, she has me by a few. Uh, what I, what 27, actually at one time I had won 29. Um, Sandra Palmer and I won two team championships together. And, uh, we actually have, um, written to a couple of folks because now they, you know, they make those team championships official. So uh, we're hoping they're going to add a couple more tournaments to our resume, so we'll see what happens. But uh yeah, I don't think Kathy uh, ever really worried worried about me, but uh I am proud of the fact that uh I don't think she ever got me. <laughs> so that's uh <laughs> that's that's I, that's a good thing.
0: Jane okay, just a a few more before I let you go, but by 1977, you're rolling along pretty good in your career. You went three times in seventy seven, four times in both seventy eight and seventy nine, and you're dominating on the Florida courses. I mean your peers had to know. If the tournament was in Florida, <laughs> they were pretty much playing for second.
1: <laughs> well, I I have to attribute some of that to the fact that I growing up in New Hampshire I played at Portsmouth Country Club, which was uh on the water, very windy golf course. So I was a I was a low ball hitter. Um if we ever headed over trees, it was, uh, forget it. I'd have to go around them. Um, and so in Florida, obviously there's a lot of wind. So anytime the wind blew, I felt I had an inch. Um, I, I was never great on Bermuda greens. because I grew up on very fast bent greens. Um, and my ball striking was, was so good because of, uh, you know, play, the ability I could, I had a two iron in my bag and I could, uh, I could actually drill a two iron. So, um, that certainly helped uh, with some of those two and three club windholes. So I think that's why uh, Florida was very kind to me.
0: What was life like for you off the course at that time in the late, mid to late seventies, because you're a pretty big star on the LPGA tour by 79.
1: Well, I always, um, I've always enjoyed myself. You know, I wasn't groomed to be a golfer. As I said, I did grow up in the ranks and um, um, I had such a great circle of friends. Um, we, um, would go to ball games, you know, players today, uh, it's like they travel with their entourage and we travel with one another. So we had a great group that would, you know, go to concerts and go to, you know, if we were, I tried to go to every baseball stadium that if we played in Minneapolis, we played in New York, played in Chicago. And so uh, we did things that kind of took the stress and the kind of the tediousness out of constant travel. And just had fun. So I look back and I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed my entire time, um, uh, on the LPGA. And, uh, you know, I left a little earlier than most because, um, I just felt that it was, um, I wanted to move on and do something else with, you know, with my life, like our, you know, our women's PGA golf clinics with our LPGA legends tour. So I enjoyed the marketing, um, uh, Side of golf and and trying to make a difference for women.
0: Jane, you mentioned the LPGA Legends Tour, and you were instrumental in getting that tour started. I'm partnering with Jane Gettys to help spotlight the great players like the two of you who play out on that tour. Talk about how you got it started.
1: Well, it was a challenge to me. It just uh, there was inequity in the fact that uh, you know the great uh, men of the PGA had a chance to continue their career. The fans had a chance to continue watching them, rooting for them. And uh, the women had nothing. And uh, the LPGA wasn't in the position of luxury that the PGA was. So we had to lobby really hard to convince the LPGA to allow us to exist, which they did barely. And then it was really, uh, it became, you know, just talk about a, a campaign and a crusade. Um, I was determined to, um, to prove everyone wrong that people would come out to watch these great women on the, uh, you know, former stars of the LPGA. And our first tournament was in Green Bay, Wisconsin in two thousand fifteen thousand people a day showed up. So, um, uh, we got everyone's attention. So, uh, you know, I think at our peak, we had, uh, 12 events. Um, we, through the, uh, through 2000, we were doing, Extremely well. And then uh, it's been a little, um, um, let's see, the pickings have been a little slimmer in the last few years, uh, but we're hoping to kind of get this thing really going again.
0: Are you going to be playing at the U.S. Senior Women's Open next month up at uh, Brookline Country Club? Brookline Country
1: Club? I'm not sure yet. (laughs) The the, the jury's out on that one, but we definitely will. uh, We have a great. team event on Cape Cod, BJ's, um, you know, wholesale club sponsors it. And we've got a fabulous field, you know, Laura Davies, Julie Inkster. Um, I could go on and on. Um, and it's, well, it's who's who and women's golf and team events are really fun. It takes, it's not just the pressure, but the camaraderie. So we're excited about that. I'll definitely be playing in that one. Uh, my partner will be Patricia Mnulabook who also won the, uh, you know, the craft Nabisco. Um, it's changed names so many times. It's hard to keep track what the name was when she won it. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll be playing in that. And we've got a great tournament in, uh, Lake to sponsoring event in Minneapolis. Of course, we have the, um, you know, legends, LPJ legends, uh, in French Lick. So, um, we've got a few things going on this year. So, um, I'll, I'll play in a couple of them, just kind of, uh, making decisions of which ones to select outside of the BJs.
0: Jane, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and then follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media?
1: Well, it's, uh, let's see, um, on our, uh, PMG women's PGA clinic with our, our clinic program. And it's, uh, thelegendstour.com. Um, so with those two websites and, uh, and on Twitter, I'm at Blaylock jane.
0: Well, Jane, it has been a huge thrill having you as part of this show tonight. You're a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime.
1: I'd love to, Chris. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me and chance to talk about the Legends Tour.
0: Jane, stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Okay, you bet. Thank you.
0: That's a great Jane Blaylock, Folks, you want to talk about one of the Legends of the LPGA Tour. Someone instrumental for putting the LPGA Tour on the map, boy, it's Jane Blaylock I mean, those great, with 27 wins, four times over on the on the uh, Japanese Tour. The great things that she did, getting the Legends Tour established. The great wins uh, that she had against some of the all-time greats on the LPGA Tour. What great stories! Certainly hope to have Jane back on the show again real
1: soon.